Unfortunately for motorcyclists, getting the most out of your brakes takes more than just pulling a lever or pressing a pedal, even if you have ABS braking. In fact, that new driver ahead of you in their mom's minivan, they can achieve the same braking power as your motorcycle, except for one thing, they don't need to do anything but stomp on the brake. For you, on the motorcycle behind them, you're going to have to use all of your skills to the max to achieve the same braking distance as that minivan. Today on Adventure Rider Radio's exclusive Rider Skills program, we're talking braking techniques to stop faster and have more control whether you have ABS or not. My name's Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Hi, I'm Sam Manning. I'm Phil. Ted Simon. Austin Van. Okay, before we get going, I want to thank some sponsors that helped bring this episode of Adventure Rider Radio to you. The first one is Max BMW Motorcycles. They've been doing it since 2002. That's Outfitting Adventure Riders. And they have got a load, I mean the full load of parts and accessories online that they can ship to your door. Get their e-rider newsletter. It's free. MaxBMW.com. That's M-A-X-B-M-W.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear, making American-made heavy-duty innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using the strapping system. Um, Great systems. As a matter of fact, all the stuff they make is super tough. I've tried tons of it myself. The website, greenchiliadv.com. That's greenchiliadv.com. Best Rest Products is where the number one tire pump in the business for us motorcyclists comes from. It's called the Cycle Pump, made in the USA, has lifetime warranty. They also distribute the Google Tech filters for North America. The website, cyclepump.com. That's Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. Rider Skills is an exclusive program we developed here at Adventure Rider Radio designed to give you the tools that can improve your riding skills both on and off-road. Now, of course, this segment is not meant to be a substitute for professional training, and these are ideas and concepts that should you choose to try, of course, you're trying them at your own risk. Now, today we have Walt Fulton as our instructor. Walt is from Streetmasters Motorcycle Workshops. Walt Fulton is a a sort of well-known name in the motorcycle industry. He's a three-time winner at Daytona. He's been a team racer for Kawasaki, Suzuki, uh, Harley-Davidson. He is a motorcycle accident reconstruction expert, and he's also was one of the riders that was featured on the famous uh, motorcycle movie called On Any Sunday. Great flick. If you haven't seen that, you, you definitely want to search that one out. Walt is also a journalist, having been the editor at Motorcyclist Magazine, Cycle World, um, Cycle Guide, and he's now got a regular column in Motorcycle Consumer News. And in his spare time, he works full-time as a product specialist at Kawasaki USA. And uh, between his time on the track and on the road, Walt has ridden over a million miles. All right, my name is Walt Fulton. I'm from Southern California. I work for Kawasaki Motors Corporation in the Quality Assurance Department. 
Walt, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you very much, Jim. It's good to be back. Nate, you just came back from a weekend of racing. I did. Which I kind of coined Walt's Weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah, you mentioned that. I was uh, uh, the Grand Marshal for the ARMA, American Historic Racing Motorcycle Association, uh, road race event at Willow Springs. And not only was I the Grand Marshal, I won both of my uh, uh, the classes I raced in, which was the uh, 350 Grand Prix. Mm. Don't you find people kind of don't like you after this? You're the Grand Marshal and you win both races? Well, it cost a lot of money to get there. No, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. I didn't pay anybody off. But, um, you know, eh, that's the way it goes sometimes. You get lucky. And, of course, you've got some massive winnings, a couple hundred thousand dollars, I imagine, by winning the, both those races. Well, you bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hey, you, you now you mentioned you work at Kawasaki, but you also own Streetmasters and run Streetmasters with uh, your partner, Nancy. And you guys got to be gearing up for the season now, if not already into it. Well, we are. We, we've already had uh, several classes this year. We'll have our uh, last one for before the summer break uh, this month, actually. Mm. So I think the uh, the 18th. What is Streetmasters known for most? Well, it's, it's an advanced cornering class uh, for street riders specifically. Uh, we do other things, but that, that's the, uh, the, the main thrust right there is um, – working with people that already have a license, that already ride, that have a desire to ride better and be more comfortable and confident in the corners. And a lot of people ask me, well, why a cornering class? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, um, if you look at the, the statistics, the, the number one cause of a, um, a solo motorcycle crash is a rider all by themselves either running off the road or, or falling down in the middle of a corner without help from anybody else. It's all their fault. And it's because, uh, well, there's a number of reasons for that, but it's um, uh, peer pressure. They think they're better than they really are. They don't know how to judge the corner properly. Um, they fixate on the wrong targets. And um, wherever you're looking, that's where you're going to go. They're just looking the wrong way and they tend to run off the road. So, that that was uh, and and by the way, this is our fifteenth fifteenth uh, year in business. Wow, fifteen so, years. Yeah, our fifteenth yeah fifteen fifteen years, and this is our our another anniversary for us. And um, uh, we've just uh, you know we're not real big, but we're uh, um, really dedicated, and and we love what we do, and we keep uh, and, and let me let me just correct you. I won't say correct, Jim. Let me just. Um, underscore something uh, Nancy's the boss she is actually the majority owner of Street Masters so I take orders from her oh geez. I, I'm sorry Walt I didn't realize that can you get Nancy on then please I'd rather talk with her okay okay. <laughs> she'll talk your ear off she's got a lot of information too oh, hey when you say cornering though you're talking all bikes right you don't have to be riding a sport bike for that no, no. It's in fact, it wasn't sport bike focused. And and when you stop to consider that all bikes turn the same way, it, it's um, we've had the Piaggio three wheel bike up there. We've had scooters. We've had uh, um, we also do sidecars and spiders and trikes. So just just about anything that you could consider a motorcycle, two or three wheels, we've had uh, had up to the class and we've worked with. So 
Yeah, when you say advanced cornering, often I think people will think, you know, high performance motorcycle, somebody looking to get the most from their machine. But um, as you said, you know, it shows in the in the single vehicle and motorcycle uh, crashes that um, corners are not quite as simple as what they may appear. No, they're actually they're very complex, and that's you know, people think, well, why why just cornering? Well, cornering involves everything you need to do to ride a motorcycle well. You have to have uh, visual control, situational awareness. You've got to be smooth on the throttle, clutch, and brakes. Uh, you've got to be able to determine where the corner goes and, and uh, make sure you stay in your, your lane and away from the, the center line down at the uh, the middle of the corner. So um, we uh, we change things up a little bit. And instead of doing the outside, inside, outside path of travel, which is, uh, is taught here in the U.S. Uh, at a basic class, uh, almost everywhere else in the world, they don't teach you that. They teach you to stay wider, longer, and apex on the inside one-third of the corner. And that's what we do. And, of course, we, we've talked about that before. I think that was what we talked about on the last time uh, that we got together on the show here. But today, we're, we're not talking yep. about cornering. We're talking about braking, using our brakes as motorcyclists. Um, with braking, what's sort of the first thought that comes to your mind when we, we start talking about braking with motorcycles? Well, what I think about from from my background is uh, uh, how people don't break well, and uh, and and consequently they they find themselves in trouble because they don't know how to break well. Well, when we've talked about this before, just earlier, you were mentioning it, and I think it's a really good point about how we don't practice it that much. No, uh, we don't, and it's. Um, Whenever I, whenever I do a class, and I, I may ask the question, so so how many people have practiced an emergency break or a quick stop? And um, if anybody has, it's not really for practice; it's because they've had to. And um, and generally, they don't do it well because they don't practice it. It's a just like any skill; it's it's perishable. And um, one of the things I uh, I recommend, and we'll may talk about this a little later, is that. You know, before you go for a ride, uh, do a little warm-up, kind of like stretching, you know, if you're going to go for a run or something like that. But uh, before you, you start out on your ride, find an empty parking lot and do a couple of corners and make sure your head turns are tuned up and do a couple of uh, uh, three or four breaks, uh, hard braking stops, and get comfortable with the brakes again. Get comfortable with the motorcycle. There's... Uh, very few people do that, but it's probably a good uh, good tune-up, and will set the stage for uh, the rest of the ride. Well, I want to I want to get from you the the idea or sort of instruction for doing your best braking. But before we do that, I think we should talk about some general concepts and ideas about about braking with motorcycles. Like for one, let's just compare or talk about the difference between motorcycle braking and handling. We could say as well to cars because i think we went down to the street or something started asking people this question saying to them which brakes faster a motorcycle or a car or which handles better on the road a motorcycle or a car i think many people are going to say the motorcycle handles faster is that true no that's not been my experience uh, they're uh, they're about the same if you're talking about uh, a turning maneuver as an example People think that they're so maneuverable that they can get around and, and avoid this and that and one thing and another, and and they have no worries about doing it. But in reality, 
um, it takes them about the same time to maneuver around something as an automobile, uh, the, if not even a little longer, uh, simply because the motorcycle, for it to turn, has to out-track first before it actually starts to turn in the direction you want to go. Uh, in other words, you, you press forward on, let's say, the right handlebar, and you have to out-track to the left a little bit before you come back and turn right. So um, that, that takes time and distance. And whereas an automobile, when you turn the st uh, steering wheel to the right, you're going to turn right. There's no out-tracking at all. So that that's a big difference right there. And it, it's one of those things that I don't think they talk about very much in, in, in classes because it's kind of a, a technical subject. But, but it has to do with the, the geometry of the motorcycle and how it actually turns. Uh, and as far as brakes are concerned... Four wheels uh, versus two wheels, we have about the same, uh, can do the same stopping uh, distance from any given speed, generally speaking. A good rider on a motorcycle and a, and a driver in a car, and he doesn't have to be good or not, uh, you both get on the brakes at the same time, and, and at 60 miles an hour, you'll come to a stop in about 120 feet which is 1G, and it's not, it's not the brakes necessarily, it's the, the traction between the, the tires and the, and the ground that uh, determine that. Uh, interesting, you, you mentioned it because the, I, I remember doing a test one time on a, a cruiser with soft tires, and as heavy as it was and as cumbersome as it is compared to these whiz-bang sport bikes, uh, it was the quickest stopping bike we've ever ever used or ever ridden and um, it was the reason for that is that you don't have any problem or concern with uh, on a cruiser lifting the rear wheel off the ground as you do on a on say a sport bike and so you can keep both wheels on the ground which means you have more braking going on than you would if you had one wheel in the air so um and and given the the soft tires, they're soft and sticky, and and they they, it's amazing how I think it was. Uh, I don't know that I can remember exactly, but but my my recall is about 111 feet from um, from uh, 60 miles an hour, versus 120, which is what would be typical. Wow, you know, it, it, you um, were talking about the the difference in, in braking, and you're saying that you know a good rider can stop as fast as a car, but it, it, all it takes is an average driver in a car to punch right. the brakes and stop very very quickly. Yet you said it takes a good rider to stop in the same distance. And also, let me throw in there that the the um, the consequences of the braking process are completely different for for the two of us. The person that's in front, and the reason I'm pointing this out is because I think a lot of people will believe that they're they're uh, they're at an advantage because they're on the motorcycle. But that person in the car that has minimal training can jump on those brakes, and really the consequences are, are just about nil for them because all that's going to happen at the worst is lock up and slide. I'm not. I'm talking if they don't hit anything, lock up and slide. Whereas with a motorcycle, if you don't have ABS, you've got to be on the brakes hard, but not too hard that you lock up the, the tires because that puts you down. Well, it's certainly without ABS, it, it will put you down if you're not careful. Um, you can lock up the rear brake, which is uh, the most typical. 
and if you overuse the front brake, you'll you'll lock it up, in which you're guaranteed to uh, fall down at that point in time. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, so that person in front of you, though, that average driver, can easily stop faster, or or, or can possibly stop faster than you just by stomping on the brake pedal, and you've got to put all of your your craft into your stop. So to be overconfident, you know, it's probably a huge mistake. Uh, absolutely. Um, it's a society thing. Uh, it's um, a macho thing. But look, I've gotten my license. What else do I need? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot you need that you haven't uh, gotten to yet. So I, I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and 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 um, they had asked me, well, so what do you do for for staying in shape, for professional development, if, for lack of another term? And uh, uh, before – uh, let's see, by March, yeah, by the end of March, I've, I had already been to three different, uh, advanced classes on motorcycles. Mm. So even I go to school as many miles as I've ridden and as long as I've ridden, um, I still go to school and I still learn things. So if people think that once they've got a license, that's all there is. They don't need any more. And uh, ego, I think, plays a big, a big part in that. I don't have much of one, so I uh, I, I know that. And in fact, you know, anybody that, that rides out there or drives um, and it spends any time out in traffic, um, don't think you know everything because I, I, I've spent a lot of time out in traffic. And I there are, are days, sometimes more than one in a row, that I go – Wow, I've never seen anybody do that before, and uh, it's just the the weirdness of uh, of people on the road and uh, the way they drive. And vehicles are getting uh, better all the time. Like I mean, you know, if it was back in the '60s, you had bias ply tires and drum brakes. It was a yeah. different kettle of fish, so to speak. Oh, completely. For, yeah, for a car. Yeah. But nowadays, cars are getting better and better, and even the least expensive cars are handling just so much better. That right. uh, the the advantage is is just huge for them, and I don't know. Have bikes changed that much? Well, sure they have. Um, the the suspension, the chassis, the horsepower, the the brakes, and and thanks to the the well, I can't say thanks to because I I think it becomes a, a crutch, but that's a, that's another subject altogether. Um, the ECU uh, EC yeah European European Union uh, they're they're requiring I. Th- think uh, anything that's uh, larger than 125 cc's to have ABS on them. And that bleeds over into the to this market because we're getting more and more bikes, even though we don't have that rule. Uh, we're getting uh, world bikes, which means they're, they're built for everywhere. And if they're going to be built to sell in Europe, they're going to have to have ABS on them. And we're, we're benefiting from that in a sense um, without having a law that requires it. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I think that's, um, that's a, a huge, uh, improvement. However, my real take on that is that if you don't know how to brake without ABS, you won't be able to brake really well with ABS. Okay. So what does ABS do for us? Well, it, it prevents you from locking up front or rear wheel. That's for sure. 
But just because you have ABS and you aren't going to lock your wheels up and fall down does still doesn't mean you're braking as efficiently as you could. Um, Harry Hurt, who did the the Hurt study, which was 900, he studied 900 fatal motorcycle accidents in the Southern California area. And uh, one of the conclusions he came to is that that um, riders overuse the rear brake and underuse the front brake. And if we have those same type of riders braking like they do with regular brakes uh, on ABS, the same thing's going to be true. So if you don't use your brakes well, you won't be able to use them any better with ABS. You just won't lock the wheel up. Okay, let's let's get into talking about how to, uh, you know, at least as in a descriptive sense, how to get the best braking. Now, how would we break this down? Would we, would we talk about maybe two different scenarios, normal braking and then emergency braking? Would that make sense? Well, sure we could because uh, there are those two things. I mean, it's not an emergency when, a, uh, when you're a block away from a signal light and it turns red. You just uh, roll off the throttle and apply the brakes and come to a stop at the uh, limit line. Uh, not a problem. A whole lot different when somebody pulls out in front of you or, or cuts you off or uh, whatever the, the emergency is in front that requires you to use maximum braking right from the get-go. That is completely different. Okay, so before we, we, we jump into this then, so what's most important? Which brake is most important, the front or the rear? Uh, always the front. Okay, because isn't it the uh, the motorcycle uh, motorcycle safety foundation that claims that yeah he, he, you can't do two things at once that you should really you can't concentrate on both brakes basically. Well, no, I think they they uh, their take is that you use both brakes at the same time. Mm. Uh, I, I, and if you can't separate front from rear, then then you're in big trouble. <laughs> um, what do you mean if you can't separate front from rear? You mean well, you in the, other words, if you at, can't. Yeah, if you can't do two things at once, you use the front brake and the rear brake at the same time. You you are uh, you're asking for for problems here. So, so if um, you can't chew gum and walk, you shouldn't be riding a motorcycle. Is basically, what you're saying. Basically, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So so let's get into a, an overall concept, really, of um, of braking. Would um, maybe you can just run through what's happening? What are we doing? Well. The, the technique starts out very simply, just, just like any, uh, whether we're going to stop in a block or whether we have to stop immediately, the technique begins the same way, reach and squeeze, which means reach for the front brake, squeeze it, apply the rear brake, and press on it. And at that point, you begin the weight transfer, which is the compression of the front Suspension, which transfers weight to the front wheel, which transfers that force to the tire, which squeezes it a little bit, which gives it more contact patch. And at that point in time, now we have to squeeze more and more and more and more all the way to a, to a stop. So I think the, the difference in, in um, braking between just a casual brake and an emergency brake is that people uh, – will apply a given force to the brake and that's it. They're not, they're not squeezing anymore. Uh, that's where the problem began because there, there is so much more, uh, pressure you can put on that front, uh, brake that you don't 
understand or don't have a chance to practice because you don't practice that uh, you're you're doing yourself a big disservice by not uh, by not learning the proper technique and working with it all the time um, what happens is that that people when they get a license um, and we'll use that as an example as a baseline here are, are working at 20 to 25 miles an hour for stops and uh, even for the quick stop 25 miles an hour and if you can do that in I forget the number of feet they, they require less than 30 but uh, if, the, if you can do that you've done good well the fact of the matter is uh, dynamically between 25 miles an hour and 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, there's a huge difference in the amount of force that has to be used and concentration that goes into making certain that you are staying straight and you're not going to lock the wheels or even even if you could avoid getting into, into ABS, you could probably stop just a little quicker because every time you uh, the ABS activates, it releases pressure and then reapplies it, releases and reapplies it. And every time it does that, you're going a little further, a little further, a little further um, for stopping distances. So um, that's why I say if you if you don't know how to use your brakes properly, uh, the ABS may not perform the way you think it should. Let's talk a minute about the variables because I think this is what separates the car or truck, uh, via the other vehicle, four-wheel vehicles from the motorcycles in particular, is how we have to respond to the variables, road conditions, things like that. So what sort of okay. variables are, are we talking about? Well, there's a lot of variables. Number one, you're, you're, you're working with two wheels instead of four, uh, the, the, particularly with um, uh, a sport bike. Uh, you can actually apply so much front brake that you can lift the rear wheel off the ground, uh, which then makes that brake ineffective. It's worthless. Um, you've got to watch out for the, you know, besides that, the environmental issues with this road surface and uh, 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 potholes and any debris on the road, those are all things that are going to lengthen uh, your stopping distance. And uh, certainly uh, another thing that people may tend not to uh, consider is, let's say, cornering. They now have, in some of the high-end bikes, cornering ABS. But uh, uh, people that don't have that, just ABS will not save you in a corner if you get on the brakes hard. It will lock a wheel up and you'll fall down. Um, as an example, tires work really well for braking in a straight line. Tires work really well for cornering without braking. Now, if you're going to throw in braking and cornering, one of those two is a compromise. Why? What's happening to the tire that's different in a corner when you apply the brakes? Is it just making your corner? Well, because now you, you're leaned over on the, the edge of the tire and you don't have any – ABS on motorcycles, for the most part, are, are the algorithms that they use to um, tell it that you can apply this much brake in a straight line is just that, a straight line braking. As soon as you start leaning, it, it has no uh, means of knowing how far you're leaning 
uh, unless it's corner and ABS. And and then there is no algorithm for that. It's only straight line breaking. Now you now you're throwing in another curve by by cornering. No pun intended on that one. But um, uh, so one of the two has to suffer. You either can't break the maximum or you can't corner at maximum. Um, so you have to apportion how much break you're going to use versus how much um, lean you're, you're making, uh, you're, you're doing. Uh, you take a look. Have you ever – you've watched racing on uh, television. Uh, seen Moto, MotoGP? Yes. Yeah, MotoGP. Okay. Well, if you if you watch uh, those riders, they wait for the very last moment, and they they get a big handful of break, and as they start to lean into the corner, they're going to start bleeding off that uh, pressure on the on the break. You'll see almost in any race one rider get just about to the apex of the corner, the front end turns under, slides out, and he low sides. That's a result of, of over-braking on a tire while cornering. Now, those are extremes. I understand that because typically we shouldn't be going that fast on the street, nor should we, we, nor do we have motorcycles that or tires that will allow us to lean at those angles uh, that they do. But, but you can see the concept that uh, – when they get about uh, just about up to the apex and the front end slides out and they, they lose the front end and, and low side, that's a result of, of trail braking. So that's a, uh, they've, they've compromised the tire by braking too hard versus the lean angle that they're at. We're going to take a quick break. But we're going to be right back with some instruction with Walt. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago we had uh, Daryl Van... Uh, Van Neuenhaus. That guy. You remember, he, he's from Cyclops Adventure Sports. He's the guy that was issued two name tags while he was in the Air Force. Absolutely. Two, they, the two tags. Got razzed about that quite a bit. Anyway, we had Cyclops on to talk about their TPMS, or their tire pressure monitoring system, um, which, by the way, is still on my bike and doing a great job. As, as a side story from where I'm going here, um, we've been traveling in British Columbia going east, and yesterday morning when I started my bike to walk it into the trailer, I, I sort of power it in, walk it in and roll it out. Um, the air pressure alarm went off on my Cyclops uh, TPMS. So I guess the change from ocean to high mountain and then back down had some negative effect on my tire pressure um, and it was way down. And so it was nice to have it pointed out to me with an alarm rather than me not realizing it, you know, jumping on and going for a quick little ride, which I, I often do. So I'm still very, very pleased with this thing. But um Anyway, what I was starting to say was I just wanted to announce that um, we're going to have Cyclops Adventure Sports as a supporter now for Adventure Rider Radio. And we're, we're really pleased to be associated uh, with them and the other companies that we have on ARR because they, we have high quality companies that really care about their products and their reputation. So anyway, in the coming months, you're going to hear more about Cyclops Adventure Sports. Um, I encourage you to drop by their website and have a look at what they've got. They've got uh, some incredible auxiliary lights that help you be seen on the road. That's, of course, the number one issue with car drivers is not seeing us. So um, if you haven't got auxiliary lights, have a look at what they've got. They've also got LED replacement bulbs, which uh, is what I want to do on my bike, replace my headlight with an LED bulb. And for BMW owners, they've got a new CAN bus interface. Anyway, more at Cyclops um, and uh, more about Cyclops in the coming months. Meanwhile, drop by their website. Their website is cyclopsadventuresports.com. And of course, if you're talking with them, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. 
Road Dog Publications is uh, a publisher of motorcycle travel books. They've just put out another new book, this time by Zoe Cano. This is her fourth book called Hellbent for Paradise. It's a story about Zoe's exploration of New Zealand, and apparently it's quite harrowing. She runs into some, some issues, adventure, I guess you could say. She meets a lot of interesting people along the way. That book is available everywhere books are sold, as well as directly through Road Dog Publications, as in all their books. Road Dog has a whole bunch of motorcycle stories that they publish, including Graham Field's books. Uh, even the publisher, Mike Fitterling, he's got a few books out of his own. Uh, Jackie Furnow's Hit the Road Jack. And The Wrong Way Round, How Not to Travel to Burma by Motorcycle by Andy Benfield. Uh, Andy's published also by Road Dog Publication, available anywhere books are sold. And if you want to buy directly from them, it's RoadDogPub.com. RoadDogPub.com. And of course, anytime you're dealing with them, make sure you let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. And the other one is IMS Products. Hey, have you checked out the IMS Products Facebook page? If you haven't, uh, I recommend that you do go by and like that. You get an idea of what they're into there. They are heavily into off-road racing. And they, of course, they have been since um, 1976, I think, uh, when they started out. That's And that racing pedigree is sort of part of what you get when you get IMS foot pegs, which um, they put into all their products, really, and they make a whole bunch of products there. And that's why they have such a huge reputation for quality parts. And you can't sell racers products that aren't top quality. Now, I can tell you from my experience with the pegs that I'm running, the IMS pegs that I have, I'm no racer, but um, I can't count how many times my pegs have seen serious abuse from being dropped in rocks and, and mud and being bashed on things that I've been riding over, including a lot of rocks. Um, I think at first I started, I was checking them to see what was going on. Now I just don't care because I know they're going to be fine. Um, I was going to say they're tough as nails, but actually I think they're a lot tougher than nails. Anyway, drop by and have a look at their full line of uh, ADV pegs that they have. Um, they all come with the IMS lifetime warranty. They're made in the USA, top quality material, and the designs are are really, really good. www.imsproducts.com And of course, be sure to mention anytime you deal with them that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, if we were to call this sort of the, the ultimate brake instruction... We talked about normal braking and emergency braking. Um, what steps would we go through? Just, just sort of give us an overview of the steps. Okay. Well, uh, first off, you need to have some stimulus that says, "Hey, I got to brake." That the, you know. So the question is, how hard are you going to brake? Well, there again, that issue is uh, is usually answered for you. You don't have much choice in it. It's just what is it you're trying to avoid? What has happened up in front of you? But let's say. The, the automobile that's uh, encroaching in your right-of-way uh, as a left-turning car, as an example. The first thing you need to do is stay cool and reach and squeeze that brake, uh, front brake, and, and press the rear brake. And as soon as you've done that, continue to squeeze, continue to press, uh, and understanding that you've gonna, you will have to moderate the rear brake the more you apply the front brake because the more weight you're transferring up front and the more weight you're transferring off of the rear wheel um, and just and again with the with the uh, advantage of ABS as long as you are are have a bike with ABS you don't have any concern of of locking the front wheel because it'll it'll release and reapply itself automatically 
but just keep squeezing, 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 squeezing all the way to stop. And that's no different than you would uh, do with um, a standard braking system without ABS, with the exception, with the exception that you have that uh, that little safety cushion, and that is the ABS, which will release if you do get to the point of blocking the front brake. So that that's the benefit in the ABS, but the the um, the point I've tried to make all along is that if you don't know how to use the brakes properly, you won't be able to use the brakes properly with ABS. Okay, let's look at it. Um, let's look at it in a, in a very step by step fashion here. So, our, obviously, our big concern here is locking up the wheels, either wheel. Well, it it is with with the exception if you've got ABS, you're not really concerned about that, right? But but I'm saying, but that that is that's our downfall. Oh, wow, that was a, a pun again. Uh, that's yeah. our that's our downfall uh, with braking on a motorcycle. Really, that that's where things go wrong. Oh sure, uh, absolutely, and and they can go wrong big time there. Yeah, well, different than a car though, because a car you can lock it up and you can slide along. It's fine. I mean, a bike you can get by with the rear tire, although you you have problems with that as well. Um, but once that front tire locks, that's it. We're done. Well, yeah, and that, like I say, that's the benefit with the with the ABS. It it won't lock um, uh, as long as you're as long as you're upright on the motorcycle. It will lock if you're at a significant lean angle. Um, but the, I think the point is that if you're you're talking about two vehicles, motorcycle and automobile, with no ABS, you're absolutely right. You can lock up the wheels of a car, and it'll skid. It won't turn over, but it'll skid. It'll actually go in a straight line. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you can – if you're on a, a – easy, easy to do on a, uh, a dirt road, uh, dirt or gravel road, lock the brakes up and just – turn the steering wheel left or right one way or the other you're not going to turn you're going to go straight so whatever direction you're pointed in the car and you've locked the wheels up you're you're going to skid that direction um you uh on a motorcycle uh you will skid but you will fall down uh can fall down uh, particularly if you lock the front brake. On the rear brake, you may be able to, to save that by just steering into the skid. But, um, you know, e- in either case, you're no longer stopping. You're skidding. And uh, you have about, oh, roughly half the coefficient of friction uh, with lock- locked wheel as you do with wheels that are in line and you're braking to the maximum without locking the wheel. Yeah, that's that's an interesting fact. So the wheel rolling on the road actually creates more resistance than when it's locked up and sliding down the road. You know what you used to hear a lot, not hearing it as much now, was people would say, I knew I couldn't stop on the bike, so I laid the bike down. You know, that that's just pure fabrication. Um, you know, it, it's just like anything. If you're going to do something like that, you have to practice it. When's the last time you practiced laying your bike down? Oh, and it's going to uh, speed up. I mean, you've got rubber between you and the road when it stood up. When you lay it down, yeah. you've got metal. Yeah, it's about it's you can uh, in round numbers. One uh, G if you're uh, on two wheels braking properly, and about half a G if you're on your side sliding, which means you're going to go further. Mm. So to to say you laid it down to avoid a crash, well, you just had one. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. And it probably comes more from, I got on the brakes too hard. I locked up the front wheel and it laid down. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what that's I've generally, always thought. Yeah. Yeah. Either front wheel or rear wheel. Either one of them can put you down. Yeah. So it, for an instructional, let's say if we can break it down step by step, because I know the suspension comes into play here. Um, so as you said on your, your, what we were talking about just a minute ago, you said, you know, a vehicle pulls into our, our lane. Let's just sort of slow it down here. I think obviously we're going to reach for the brake, right? But but I was going to mention that because you said reach for the brake. And, I, and I'm just wondering, do you not ride, do you not recommend that people ride with two fingers or one finger on that brake lever for the front brake? Well, it, it depends. Uh, it really depends for me uh, on the on the conditions. As, as an example, I, I spent a lot of time riding in traffic here, commuter traffic. And um, uh, as long as uh, I'm doing that, I will have my, my – I always have my uh, foot over the brake pedal. And in, in a condition like heavy traffic, I will have my, my two fingers – uh, on the front brake lever. Uh, if I'm out on the open road and or just going down a country road where there's there's no traffic, I, I probably won't have my my fingers on the lever. Um, I will still have my 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 toes on the on the rear brake, but that's just because that's where they fit. But yeah, I I, I recommend in 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 heavy traffic um, conditions like that to absolutely cover the brakes. And uh, not so much so when, when you're out by yourself. Okay, so the vehicle pulls in front of you. You're going to start applying brakes. Uh, run through that then. Well, uh, the vehicle pulls out in front of you. You've got to get on the brakes quickly. And again, it's not a, not a grab. You don't want to grab because if you if the brakes are so powerful today that you can certainly uh, activate them so quick before you get enough weight transfer to the front wheel, that you will lock the front up. Um, again, the, the ABS is the, the saving factor here uh, because it, it'll release and then apply brakes again. But the point is every, every time you apply uh, the ABS activates and releases, activates and releases, you're lengthening your stopping distance. So the idea is to use the brakes properly and try to use the maximum braking without getting into ABS. That's that's the best case scenario right there. And again, it's so important that the initial reach and squeeze is so important to get the, the front wheel loaded suspension compressed and the front wheel loaded with uh, more weight. Um, that, that's, that is the the defining a uh, moment of what's to come for you. If you can do that and get that, uh, the, the weight transferred smoothly and evenly and continue to squeeze the brake, uh, you'll, you'll be amazed at how quickly you can stop and how much pressure it will require to stop quickly. You know, you've talked about the suspension compression and transferring the weight. That's the big thing that that weight transfer. I think we've all seen it. Everybody talks about you know the dive, the motor, the front end dive when you put on the brakes. That's the weight transfer to the front. That's why you said that the the front brake is the the most important or, or takes the you know take yeah the most important brake of the two. But if you were too quick, like if you just you really just reefed on the brake very very quickly, you could chance locking up that wheel before you've done the weight transfer. Well, yeah, uh, particularly without ABS, it, it would happen. And and it, technically it will too with ABS, but the, the, like I say, the saving grace is that 
the ABS will release the pressure and then reapply it. Sure. So yeah, well, when we're stop. talking locking up the brake here. We're, we're referring to non ABS versions yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, absolutely. You can, you can, uh, the brakes are so, so powerful that you can, um, uh, get on them so quickly that the weight won't have time to transfer to the front and you're, you've got basically, uh, let me let me use the, for lack of a better word, unloaded front wheel. Suspension hasn't compressed yet. Weight hasn't transferred, uh, and so what is happening is you're just over braking so hard, so quickly that it'll lock the brake up and then skid the wheel. So stage one is doing making the bike do that weight transfer, really. And I think that's, for for um, a inexperienced rider, that might be as far as they go. They're putting on the brakes, and, and you're really not doing anything more, obviously. We're, we're applying the brakes, and the load transfer is automatic. The suspension, front-end suspension compressing, it, that's automatic. These are all things that happen uh, because of physics. Often, that's where it's left, right there, but we can do more. Well, absolutely. That That is... Uh typically where it's left and, and it's because people have never had practice breaking in an emergency situation but the fact of the matter is once you've now got the the weight transferred now's the time to start squeezing more and more and more until you brought it to the the, the full stop you can until keep you on. come to it you can until you come to a stop. Absolutely. So the only thing we're avoiding here at this point is locking in non ABS. Of course, is locking the wheels up. Right. What happens if you lock up the rear wheel, which is fairly common? Well, it is common because you're you're taking weight off the back end and putting it on the front end, and and the 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 harder you use the front brake, or the more front brake you use, the more weight is transferred off of the rear wheel, which means the lighter it, the rear end gets, which means you have to moderate the amount of pressure on that brake. And if you don't, it will lock up. The The result of a lockup is it can be rather benign, uh, depending on a uh, number of conditions. But uh, you can count if the the roadway is absolutely flat. Uh, chances are you could lock the wheel up and just skid in a straight line. If you put any input into the handlebar, one direction or another, uh, you can get the back end to step out one side or the other. You can also have that happen if you have a, like, um, you're in an off-camber um, roadway. And most roadways have a camber to them, and uh, generally to the outside. So, uh, you can, if that's the case, if you do lock the rear wheel up without making a co- correction with the handlebar, um, if you're running along in a right-hand lane and the the camber is to the outside, generally speaking, you'll have the back end slide out to the right. What do you? What is? What's your recommendation if you do lock up the rear wheel? Well, the, the the ideal situation is not to do that. But if you're going to lock the if you do lock the rear wheel up, then uh, my suggestion is leave it locked up. The, what happens is if you if you get it to step out too far, and you release that pressure now on the rear brake, uh, it's going to want to straighten itself up, and in so doing, can actually cause you to. Uh, be thrown off the high side because it's a rather violent 
particularly at speed, if if uh, if you get the rear end sideways and then all of a sudden it gains traction again because you've let off the brake, it can snap the bike right upright and toss you off the other side. Because mm, it starts rolling and sort of rolls itself in line real fast. Yes. Yeah, and then you go yeah. off the side. So so would you describe all, uh, you know, or not, I don't want to say all, but would you describe the style of braking just as basically these two stages? You were, we're doing our initial braking where we're loading up the suspension and then the second stage being just continued pressure yes. um, until we bring it to a complete stop. Yeah, and and just, just you know, I know this may not matter to many people, but just for your own information, uh, with a hydraulic system, you can, you can, probably apply in the neighborhood of uh, 1500 psi uh, pressure to that brake mm, that's quite high and that's very high mm-hmm. very high now, I was going to mention when we were talking about with the rear brake locking up I was going to say the other thing is it's a little more difficult to modulate the the brake pressure with your foot than it is with your fingers uh probably so um it it, it depends on on your the feel you've you've developed, yeah. Because uh, I know because like well, obviously somebody like you, you've been riding well, your whole life and you've done a lot of uh, expert level riding. But I'm saying for the average rider, just think of your dexterity of, your, of what you're doing with your feet and your hands, right? Your feet are tend to be more large movements, and your fingers and are obviously smaller movements. More just a a fine a finite um, adjustment is right. easier probably with your fingers and your foot. Well, absolutely, and and just to. Um uh, sort of reinforce the the effect of the rear brake. Um, if you've ever noticed, the, the brake rotor and uh, caliper are a smaller than the front mm. because it, it doesn't take a whole lot to lock it up when you're hard on the front brake. And again, that underscores the fact that the front brake is the most important brake because look at all the the uh, surface area you have up there and the uh, the number of pistons you have pushing against the rotors. So um, uh, yeah, it, it you're right, and and uh, your foot is probably not as calibrated as well as your your fingers. You know, sort of jumping out of this, y- you race vintage bikes. Do you guys upgrade the brakes on those? No. So you're uh, actually. Brakes? Yeah, actually, um, I'm the the bike I'm riding the the 350 uh, in the 350 GP class is a, is a Harley Davidson Aramaki, mm-hmm. and it's got um, uh, four uh, leading shoe um, uh, brake up front, and uh, the bike must not weigh much more than 200 pounds, so it it's plenty. It's plenty. As long as you don't get them hot. Well, yeah, but you don't, you know, it's enough brake. It got enough surface area um, that you don't really um, get them too hot. I mean, they don't, don't misunderstand me. They, they get warm. You wouldn't want to hold your hand against them, you know, when you came in mm-hmm. after a, a few laps. But, um, I, I've, I've never lost brakes because they've overheated <laughs> on, by, that bike, on that bike. By the way, that bike is by, built by Carl Inklander, who we've had on the show here for technical pieces. 
Right, right. Good, yeah. good man. Yeah, yeah. Definitely knows his stuff for sure. Well, he does. Okay, so, so have have we nailed it then? Is is that covers it? I mean, basically, and and I like this because it's it's fairly simple to understand and remember when you're getting out there breaking. Um, I do want to get an an instruction afterwards, but have we covered it then? Is is that sort of the um, at least the the underpinnings of the of breaking? Yeah, I I think the the most important part for anybody to to think about and to remember is that. You need to practice, and uh, you can do that quite simply in a in a large parking lot. Um, and you don't have to go, you know, twenty, thirty, forty times in a row. But every every day, every time you go for a ride, just just do a one or two brake applications and and uh, start with a light one, and then a heavier one, and then maybe a third one, which is maximum. So uh, you get Get used to using your brakes. Understand how they work and how they don't work and um, get comfortable with them. I I think the brakes, bar none, are the most important tool that you've got in your toolbox. And it's probably the most effective tool you have at your use. So learn to use them well. That's great. Um, so um, now I know we don't really need much of a recap for this because it's a fairly simple uh, idea. Um, I think the revolutionary part or the, or the real uh, aha moment is the fact that after you initially put on the brakes that you should be continually adding more and more brake pressure um, for the average rider. But let's just give a, a fast recap on it. All right. I, I, I think uh, as a recap, what I would suggest is that um, – and it, this goes for brakes and everything else – Never quit learning. Um, always try to be better. And uh, if it means going back to school, taking another class, do that. There's a lot of them out there. Um, practice your craft and practice it well uh, by using the right technique all the time. And uh, I, I think for for breaking, it's – just as we explained earlier, Jim, is to reach, squeeze, and continue to squeeze until you come to a stop. Um, be easy on the rear brake. Don't uh, don't be uh, a big club foot and jam a, a, a big foot full of uh, or pressure down on the, the brake pedal because as soon as you start to transfer the weight to the front, you're lessening the weight in the rear and it's going to – it will lock up. So, you know, be careful with that. That's one of the things to uh, be concerned about. But the the most important thing is don't under-apply front brake. Reach and squeeze. That initial squeeze is important to get the weight transfer started. And, and once you've done that, keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing all the way to stop. Well, I really like what you said uh, earlier about the warm up before you ride. Uh, I certainly know how much that helps to just get yourself out there and, and do a little bit, um, no matter what style you're riding, either dirt or or um, asphalt. It's a good out to get out there and, like you said, get and find a parking lot and do a little testing. But um, all part of building your skills. And the one thing that I always say I love about motorcycling is that it seems like no matter how good you get, there's always something to learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it. Like you say, I'm still learning. I've I've taken three classes already this year, so um, advanced classes. So um, don't don't think you know it all. Get out there and and continue to learn and continue to improve and make yourself better. 
Well, thank you very much. As always, it's great to chat with you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Jim, thank you very much. I, I always have a good time uh, chatting with you, and I'm, I look forward to the next time. wraps up another Adventure Rider Radio Rider Skills segment. And I was speaking with Walt Fulton from Street Masters Motorcycle Workshops. You can find out more about Walt and what he's doing at Street Masters, uh, along with his partner at streetmasters.info. And of course, that link will be in our show notes. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com. Also, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com. And Moto Breeze Chain Oilers at motobreeze.com. Hey, you do us a great favor. If anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime you see them anywhere, you mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. up another episode of adventure rider radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it um if you like what you're hearing there drop by our website adventureriderradio.com you can have full access to a full archive of episodes of adventure rider radio as well as some great show notes on each episode some more than others but there's photos and sometimes videos and, and more information in there um we also have another show called um, arr raw which is a spin-off style from adventure ride radio that we do each month on motorcycle travel it's a group of travelers that, that get together to talk same group every time we have um, people from north america australia uk and bulgaria um, you need to subscribe separately for that show and you, and you can get all our podcasts anywhere podcasts are found or go to our website and click on the raw link for that uh, that show in particular and you can find the show notes for that one as well and lastly we've built this show on a model of some advertising and listener support to make sh- the the whole thing work it's our full-time job and we need you behind it this is a show that takes a lot of time and resources to put together and we could really use your help. AdventureRiderRadio.com and click on the support button. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. If you're not doing that already, because you could be riding listening, a lot of people tell me they do that. My name's Jim Martin. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Hey.